Chapter Four of A Cathedral Courtship by Kate Douglas Wiggin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Cathedral Courtship by Kate Douglas Wiggin. Chapter Four: Gloucester and Oxford. He, Gloucester, June Ten, the Golden Slipper. Nothing accomplished yet. Her aunt is a Van Tick, and a stiff one, too. I am a Copley, and that delays matters. Much depends upon the manner of approach. A false move would be fatal. We have seven more towns, as per itinerary, and if their thirst for cathedrals isn't slaked when these are finished, we have the entire continent to do. If I could only succeed in making an impression on the retina of Aunt Cecilia's eye. Though I have been under her feet for ten days, she never yet has observed me. This absent-mindedness of hers serves me ill now, but it may prove a blessing later on. I made two modest moves on the chessboard of fate yesterday, but they were so very modest and mysterious that I almost fear they were never noticed. She, Gloucester, June 10, in impossible lodgings chosen by me. Something else awfully exciting has happened. When we walked down the railway platform at Bath, I saw a pink placard pasted on the window of a first-class carriage. It had Van Tick reserved, written on it, after the English fashion, and we took our places without question. Presently Aunt Cecilia's eyes and mine alighted at the same moment on a bunch of yellow primroses pinned on the stuffed back of the most comfortable seat next the window. They do things so well in England, said Aunt Cecilia admiringly. The landlord must have sent my name to the guard. You see the advantage of stopping at the best hotels, Catherine, but one would not have suspected him capable of such a refined attention as the bunch of flowers. You must take a few of them, dear. You are so fond of primroses. Oh, I am having a delicious time abroad. I do think England is the most interesting country in the world. And as for the cathedral towns, how can anyone bear to live anywhere else? She, Oxford, June 12, The Mitre It was here in Oxford that a grain of common sense entered the brain of the flower of chivalry. You might call it the dawn of reason. We spent part of the morning in High Street, the noblest old street in England, as our dear Hawthorne calls it. As Wordworth had written a sonnet about it, Aunt Cecilia was armed for the fray, a volume of Wordsworth in one hand, and one of Hawthorne in the other. I wish Baedeker and Murray didn't give such full information about what one ought to read before one can approach these places in a proper spirit. When we had done High Street, we went to Magdalen College, and sat down on a bench in Addison's Walk, where Aunt Cecilia proceeded to store my mind with the principal facts of Addison's career and his influence on the literature of the something-or-other century. The cramming process over, we wandered along, and came upon him sketching a shady corner of the walk. Aunt Cecilia went up behind him, and, Van Tick though she is, she could not restrain her admiration of his work. I was surprised myself. I didn't suppose so good-looking a youth could do such good work. I retired to a safe distance, and they chatted together. He offered her the sketch. She refused to take advantage of his kindness. 
he said he would dash off another that evening and bring it to our hotel so glad to do anything for a fellow countryman etc i peeped from behind a tree and saw him give her his card it was an awful moment i trembled but she read it with unmistakable approval and gave him her own with an expression that meant yours is good but beat that if you can she called to me and i appeared mr john quincy copley cambridge was presented to her niece miss catherine schuyler new york it was over and a very small thing to take so long about too he is an architect and of course has a smooth path into aunt cecilia's affections theological students ministers missionaries heroes and martyrs she may distrust but architects never he is an architect my dear catherine and he is a copley she told me afterwards i never knew a copley who was not respectable and many of them have been more after the introduction was over aunt cecilia asked him guilelessly if he had visited any other of the english cathedrals any others indeed this to a youth who had been all but in her lap for a fortnight it was a blow but he rallied bravely and with an amused look in my direction replied discreetly that he had visited most of them at one time or another i refused to let him see that i had ever noticed him before that is particularly i wish i had had an opportunity of talking to him of our plans but just as i was leading the conversation into the proper channels the waiter came in for breakfast orders as if it mattered what one had for breakfast or whether one had any at all i can understand an interest in dinner or even luncheon but not in breakfast at least not when more important things are under consideration memoranda the very stones and mortar of this historic town seem impregnated with the spirit of restful antiquity extract from one of aunt cecilia's letters among the great men who have studied here are the prince of wales duke of wellington gladstone sir robert peel sir philip sidney william penn john locke the two wesleys ruskin ben johnson and thomas otway look otway up he oxford june thirteen the angel i have done it and if i hadn't been a fool and a coward i might have done it a week ago and spared myself a good deal of delicious torment how sweet must be love's self-possessed when but love's shadows are so rich in joy or something of that sort i have just given two hours to a sketch of addison's walk and carried it to aunt cecilia at the mitre object to find out whether they make a long stay in london our next point and if so where it seems they stop only a night i said in the course of conversation so miss schuyler is willing to forego a london season marvellous self-denial my niece did not come to europe for a london season replied miss van tyck we go through london this time merely as a cathedral town simply because it chances to be where it is geographically we shall visit st paul's and westminster abbey and then go directly on that our chain of impressions may have absolute continuity and be free from any disturbing elements oh but she is lovely is aunt cecilia london a cathedral town now for my part i should like to drop st paul's for once 
and omit Westminster Abbey for the moment, and sit on the top of a bus with Miss Schuyler or in a hansom jogging up and down Piccadilly. The hansom should have bouquets of paper flowers in the windows, and the horse should wear carnations in his headstall, and Miss Schuyler should ask me questions, to which I should always know the right answers. This would be but a prelude for I should wish later to ask her questions to which I should hope she would also know the right answers. Hi-ho! I didn't suppose that anything could be lovelier than that girl's smile, but there is, and it is her voice. I shall call there again tomorrow morning. I don't know on what pretext, but I shall call, for my visit was curtailed this evening by the entrance of the waiter, who asked what they would have for breakfast. Miss Van Tick said she would be disengaged in a moment, so naturally I departed, with a longing to knock the impudent waiter's head against the uncomprehending wall. Breakfast, indeed! A fellow can breakfast regularly, and yet be in a starving condition. He. Oxford, June 14, The Angel. I have just called. They have gone. Gone hours before they intended. How shall I find her in London? End of chapter 4